Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. This is Shannon, and today I'm here with Stacy, Melissa, and Natalia. And we are actually doing a Stacy episode today. Um, she asked me a while ago if we could do epistolary novels. So novels Yay! told in the form of like text messages, emails, diary entries, letters, um, rather than just being told as sort of a straight up story. So we have some fantastic things to tell you about today. So we will get into the housekeeping information. Then we will get started with Stacy, followed by Melissa, and then me and Natalia. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. I am really excited about this episode. I really love novels where characters are able to express themselves via some form of written communication. I feel as though it really gives characters the ability to show more vulnerability or depth of character. Just, I don't know. I just love them. I just, oh, they're like my, my favorite thing ever. And the first book I'm going to talk about tonight is a contemporary epistolary called Dear Erin by Mariana Zapata. And it came out a few years ago and I knew I wanted to read it right away because the first half of the book is told exclusively through emails. This book is about Ruby Ruby is, uh, this book takes place back in 2008, and Ruby is part of the Adopt-A-Soldier program. And so one way that she um, reaches out to the soldiers that have been assigned to her is through email. And so she is paired with a soldier named Aaron, and she begins writing him emails. And after some time, he begins responding to her emails. And it's interesting because the emails between them start out very like, what's your favorite candy? Hamburgers or hot dogs? Like all that kind of nonsense where you're like, now we're back in like middle school trying to get to know each other, you know, like all these very shallow questions. And over the months that they are communicating, they go from being, you know, just very casual to um, acquaintances to friends and then to very, very close friends that are sharing more intimate aspects of life and interwoven throughout these emails is just some really clever, funny bantering back and forth. Um, and the reader is able to see how feelings are sort of changing and deepening over time. And that's the first half of the book. And if it's, 
if you read it um, through audio, it's a really, really well done with um, dual narration. So there's a male narrator for the emails from Aaron and a female narrator reads all of Ruby's parts. And it's just really well done. Well, then the second half of the book is about when Ruby and Aaron actually meet for the first time and how that goes. And then sort of from there, the, the way that their relationship sort of unfurls from that. And it's this, this book is very, very well done. Um, it's one of those where people are more comfortable being their best self through writing. Um, funnier, you know, better banter, more confident, all of those things. And then when they meet in person, they have to sort of adjust to who that person is in real life. And that's all I'm going to say about this book, but I really loved it. If you love slow burn romance, if you love epistolaries, if you love books um, that include some sort of um, military elements, if, if you love Mariana Zapata, you will not be disappointed in this book. Um, it is Dear Aaron by Mariana Zapata. This is one that I do want to read. I don't always love Mariana Zapata. Um, I, I wish that I did, but I don't. Um, but this one has intrigued me from the time. Um, I can't remember if it was you or Sarah that mentioned it to me first, but this is one I do want to read. And I will say that um, the heroine in real life is a little different than her portrayal in her emails. And so ah. there was a portion of the book where I kind of wanted to punch her in the face. Um, oh dear. <laughs> but that passes. But if you're aware that all, you know, this whole thing is about character growth in so many ways. And so if, if you're able to sort of relax into the story and just, you know, go on both of their journeys with them, you'll, you'll really appreciate it. But it's not quite as, it's not one of her like super long books. Um, I think it's a quicker read than um, some of her newer books that are, I think, considerably longer. So cool. Yeah. My first book tonight um, is The Color Purple by Alice Walker. And The oh, Color good. Purple. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Sorry. Um, Color Purple tells the story of Silly and Nettie and their sisters. Silly is not pretty. They call her ugly. And the stepfather, at the time, she thought it was her father, um, has molested her and impregnated her twice so in the story um silly is married off to someone and nettie is um kicked out because she will not sleep with silly's husband so she goes to africa and the book is their story is their letters to each other before that silly writes to god so all her letters say, dear God. And then she finds later, she finds the letters that Nettie had been writing her. And Nettie is with her two children. And the ending, of course, makes me cry all the time. Because <laughs> they it's get so reunited. Sad. Yeah, they re get reunited. And, and it's a Pulitzer Prize winner. 
and it's a very um very good book on on african american fiction and and women and and all the ways we were treated whether it was by white people but we were treated badly by black people as well so that is the color purple by alice walker and I am so ashamed to say that I've seen this movie like 7,000 times and I love it, but I've never read the book. So I appreciate uh, that you reminded me because I'm sure the book is a million times better than the movie even. So yes, yes. <laughs> it's funny that you say this. that because I was going to say that I think a lot more people know about the color purple because of the, of the movie. movie. Yeah. Yes. Right. And now like the Broadway play. Um, but which, not which so is, much. You mean the musical? It's yes. awesome. Yes. I, lo- yes. I want to see that again. <laughs> but I don't think Hudson. as many people know about it yeah. from the, mm-hmm. you know, from the book itself. Yeah. So my first book tonight is one that I wasn't originally planning to talk about for this episode. And then I started talking to Stacy about it, and I realized that it does something very, very unique within epistolary novels. So I decided that I would talk about it. This is Hannah Khan Carries On by Asma Jalaluddin. And this is the story of, as you can probably guess, Hannah Khan. She lives with her family in a really close-knit neighborhood. Um, And she has always kind of grown up just like immersed in her culture. So her family owns um, a really successful restaurant, or at least when it started, it was pretty successful. As time has passed, it has become a little bit run down. You know, the, the lunch rush isn't quite as hectic as it once was. And Hannah is really torn about what she owes kind of her family and their business. Like, should she just settle in and work at the restaurant full time? Or should she kind of branch out and follow her own dreams of becoming a radio broadcaster? So she does this internship at a local radio station and she's really passionate about it. Um, But what she's most passionate about is this podcast that she's created where she basically just pours out the stories of her life. And she never says who she is. She changes like people's names and changes identifying information so that people don't really know who she is. And she reaches a lot of people. People really start to identify with the stories that she tells. So she strikes up a relationship through email. Originally, it starts off as like comments to some of her podcast episodes and later becomes becomes a a longer like email correspondence. And she becomes really close friends with one of her listeners. She still continues to hide her identity from him. And he also decides that he's not going to tell her who he is. So we're watching through this series of emails and comments to various podcast episodes as they sort of begin to peel back the layers of one another and like really get to know them. But at the same time, another restaurant has sprung up not too far from where the restaurant um, that Hannah's family owns. 
is located. And Hannah's pretty upset about this because this is a restaurant that is newer, a little bit fancier, um, a little bit higher quality in some ways. And so she is struggling to kind of figure out like, what is she going to do? You know, are they going to let the family restaurant fail? How, how is this going to go? Um, and as you can probably figure out, it's, it's not a, a big secret, really. This person that she has been corresponding with via email is somehow connected to this competing restaurant. Um, this is, I thought, a very, very well done book. It was not quite the like five stars standout that I was hoping it would be. I feel like parts of it kind of dragged in places, but aside from a bit of uneven pacing, I think it's a really, really important story. I love the neighborhood that Hannah and her family um, live and work in. There are just so many like really nice relationships that you get to see through like various interactions that she has with, with various side characters. Um, Jalaluddin wrote a book in either 2020 or 2019, which is Aisha at last, which is sort of a, a modern take on pride and prejudice. Mm. And that's one that I plan to read pretty soon. Um, but if you're looking for sort of a like social media, you know, podcasty email book, um, and you also like descriptions of good like Indian food, I highly recommend this one. It is Hannah Khan Carries On by Asma Jalaluddin. This is on my TBR and has been since, I feel like you talked about it for a PIX episode maybe. I did. You were some, yeah, I, I thought it was you. Yeah. Yes. So the first book I'm going to talk about today is a very laugh out loud comedy funny book and it's actually the second book I read by this author uh, it's by Rainbow Rowell I discovered Rainbow Rowell when I read Landline but this book particularly is called Attachments now this is an epistolary book but instead of letters and diary entries this book is told through emails so this book in particular is kind of like this. It's two girl, two really good coworker friends, Beth Fremont and Jennifer Scribner Schneider. What a cool last name. And they basically email each other at work instead of talking to each other. And they know that somebody is monitoring everything that they say. And because obviously it's company policy, like nothing you write at work is ever completely private. private. Right. But they just can't bring themselves to stop. And they don't really take it seriously. So they send each other endlessly emails. And like in these emails, they talk about everything that happens in their life. It's, it's just so funny um, from the really funny to the really serious to the really sad to the really private, just real, real personal things. And somebody's reading all of these emails. Lincoln O'Neill is working for the same company and he just can't believe that his job is reading other people's emails. <laughs> you know, he's an internet security officer. So he thought that his job was going to be more glamorous, that he was going to catch hackers, that he was going to do something more interesting, like building firewalls and stuff, not reading emails. Um, but 
one day he comes across a message between Beth and Jennifer and he knows that he should turn them in and put a stop to it. But he's so entertained and captivated by their emails that he can't help it. He really wants to know more about who they are and the kind of life that they're living. And by the time Lincoln realizes that he's falling for Beth, it's way too late for him to introduce himself to her. And it would probably be kind of creepy because he knows a little too much. What would he say? Hi, I'm the guy who reads your emails and I know everything you talk about. <laughs> so just find out what happens in this story and what amazing things Jennifer and Beth write in their emails. You have to read Attachment by uh, Rainbow Rowell. I feel like it really like kind of digs into that like culture of like the early part of the internet. Like when, yeah. you know, not like right now. But like when the internet was not quite as, as common or advanced as it is now. This book was so delightful. I loved attachments. It was my second Rainbow Rowell. Um, fangirl will ever be my favorite forever and ever. But um, I, I love, it was very clever. Um, and it was fun to read a book that was set in the late 90s, sort of at the beginning of this is going to sound funny, but like the email revolution or whatever. And yes, it just was very, it really takes you back to a different way of like using computers, if you will, and a more innocent time using computers in the workplace. I really struggled with this episode to figure out, um, cause I love epistolaries and I've read many of them. Um, and I struggled because I could only choose three. And that was really hard. So I'm just going to shout out to the flat share by Beth O'Leary because <laughs> it has a gorgeous epistolary element. And that's all I'm going to say about it because I, I, I had too many books to talk about to choose. This as one of my main ones, but I'm actually going to talk about man down by Kate meter rookie rebels book three. And I'd never read anything by Kate meter for full transparency. I'm, um, I'm someone that doesn't always read series in order, which is very scandalous to some of our ladies on our podcast. And mm. I picked this one up because it was recommended as an epistolary. And I like the fact that the, the character, the main characters meet um, because of a text message. And this book is about Gunner and Gunner is a very broken person at the start of the book. Um, he was a hockey player. He kind of had, you know, everything in the world that he wanted. He had a wife, he had children. And then a very tragic event happened three years ago. And so he's basically been living kind of semi off the grid, kind of drinking too much and just, you know, living in his sorrow. And so one day he starts texting his wife's phone, who is no longer alive and telling her about his days and just pouring out his grief and heartache through these text messages. And then one day somebody texts back because sadly and tragically, her number has been given to someone else. And this someone else starts texting back and they begin a friendship via text message. They have no idea who each other are um, and they text daily. And this other person, this woman, begins to check in on him every morning and send like daily jokes and just tries to keep things very lighthearted because 
she has read all of his grief and all of his heartache and pain through his messages to his wife. And our heroine is Sadie. She lives in LA. She works for um, a very quirky um, Instagram influencer. And she's not really happy with her life. She's been sort of drifting for a long time. And then she finds out that she has to go back to Chicago to take care of the little sister that she has no relationship with. And she has to watch this dog that just is like a just unpleasant dog. And she has to deal with her sister's hockey coach who is just dreadful and short-tempered and judgmental and awful. But the good thing is she still has her, her sensitive and gentle friend that she can continue texting. Um, and at some point they discover that they are in the same city together. And after a series of false starts, they meet. And this book sounds kind of shallow when I'm just describing it to you. It was deep. It had me in tears at some points because um, the author does not skimp when kind of describing pain and stages of grieving and loss. Um, you know, this book is about a really beautiful love story. It's about, it has the epistolary elements that I love, but it also has um, the beginnings of some strong female friendships, which is always a huge thing for me. And then it has this element of two sisters who have spent their entire lives wow. apart. There's Sadie, who's like 26, and then her 13-year-old half-sister. And they don't really have any sort of relationship at all. And they have to kind of learn how to become a family. And this book was really special. I've never read anything quite like it before. And it was just really gorgeous. And if you like epistolaries or um, really great romances or books with strong family elements or strong female friendships, you need to read this book. Um, and it's Man Down, Rookie Rebels Book Three by Kate Meter. Ooh, excellent. <laughs> yes. So this whole thing made me dig back into my old English things that I studied and and I found Letters Home and it's by Sylvia Plath. Mm. Uh, someone put it together. Now in, in this book, it's all her letters that she wrote to her mom or wrote to friends when she went for work with uh, Mademoiselle, the magazine. And, and it traces her job. It also has, they found her scrapbook that she kept in high school. So it has excerpts oh. from that. It has also, um, it also has pictures. And I was able to find a, another copy on Bookshare where it describes all the pictures. Um, but it describes like there's pictures of her at her high school grad after high school graduation. Um, there's pictures of her at Wellesley College. Now they don't tell you who compiled all of this. They just give the credit to her. So it's Letters Home by Sylvia Plath. And it is on Bookshare. Sylvia Plath is kind of interesting to me because like I know a little bit mm -hmm. about her kind of because of the bell jar. 
Yes, um, but yes. not really, you know, a ton of, of stuff about her life, like aside from that. So, yes, I was doing the, that's when I had that crazy idea. I wanted to get a master's in English. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I thought Those I should get a fun in social work. Yeah. And we fun. see how, how, <laughs> how well that worked out. That was one of my fun <laughs> classes. Romantic poets or something that was called. <laughs> so my next book takes us back to World War II. And I think this is not going to make Stacy happy that I talk about this. This is Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine. And this oh, book is... Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this came out in 2012, and I remember I was actually reading it um, on Christmas Eve and I did not want to go back downstairs where all my family was gathered because I was just reading this really compelling story. And so I, I kind of like hid out for a while on Christmas. But this is the story of two young women who are in a plane above Nazi occupied France and the plane goes down for reasons that we don't quite understand at the beginning of the story. And one of the girls survives and one is left to die in the plane. So Verity is the girl who survives and she is taken into Nazi custody and is told that she can choose to reveal like the secrets of all of the the British people that she works with as an intelligence agent, or she can die. And so from within the Nazi jail, she is slowly, painstakingly creating this confession in written form. So it's very much like, like she's just writing out, you know, her, her journey, like what brought her to where she is, what caused her to want to work for British intelligence, um, why did she leave her friend to die in, in the plane? All these things. And it is dark, so, so dark. Um, it's really raw in terms of how we feel the emotions of not only Verity, but some of the people that she's talking about that she has you know, left behind as she has flown into France. Um, it's a hard book to read in a lot of ways. There's, you know, it's not like a nice, happy book about, you know, how we like fought off the Nazis. Um, it's a, a pretty brutal read. And yet even so many years later, like this book will be 10 years old next year. And even so many years later, I still find myself thinking about it. And so it seemed like, a really good sort of necessary addition to this episode. This is Codename Verity. It is listed um, in on Goodreads as Codename Verity Book Three by Elizabeth Wine. I think it's important to know that there are books that are written that are kind of companion novels to this one. Um, there's The Enigma Game and Rose Under Fire. Yes. And they're... They, they focus on different aspects of World War II. And I don't necessarily know that it's necessary to read them in any particular order. I read Codename Verity first and then Rose Under Fire and then The Enigma Game. So I kind of read them backwards. 
Um, but she's just such a skilled writer who has obviously done more than her fair share of research into the Second World War and its atrocities. So again, it's Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine. And, you know, I know you're saying, well, Stacey won't like if I talk about this one. I will say it's one of the most compelling books I've ever read. The writing is so uh, immersive, I guess. Um, And I found that equally as true with Rather Book Rose Under Fire that I still cannot get out of my, there's a scene in that book that I cannot stop thinking about. (laughs) So. The next book I'm going to talk about is not like anything I've ever come across in this kind of genre because it's told not only by letters, but by documents, by maps, by articles. It's kind of like a story pieced together, but it doesn't take away from how epic it is. So this is Illuminate by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. And this is kind of like a, it has a little bit of everything. But um, our main character's name is Katie. And when our story starts, she's going to break up with her boyfriend, Ezra. And she thinks that it's the hardest thing she will ever have to do in her young life. And in the afternoon, her planet is invaded. Uh, This is year 25. 575 so we've got like a futuristic sci-fi aspect to it which is cool and uh, two mega corporations are at war over this tiny little planet that's at the edge of the universe are you surprised no so now that they have enemy fire just all over the place katie and ezra even though they barely talk to each other they're forced to evacuate together and rely on each other in a war-torn planet but They think their problems have started, but no, they're actually just getting started because on top of all this, there's Shannon's favorite thing, a plague. Yes, yes, there is. And it's mutating. So even though the fleet aisle might be their enemy and nobody in charge is saying what's going on, they're going to have to figure it out. So Katie has to hack into some kind of web of data to find out what the truth is. And the only person who could help her is her ex-boyfriend. She swore she'd never talk to again. And um, this is Illuminae. To find out what happens, you must read this book, Illuminae, Illuminae Files Book One by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. And as I said, this book is super cool. uh, I think it's very fascinating how it's told. I, I, I don't know if you have Shannon, but I've never read a book no, like it. It's I just never told have. with, it's kind of like pieced together with a dossier, you know, like. Right. It's like all these documents kind of everything. tell the story, but you don't fully understand like why it's being told this way, like until the very end. So. As I said, I struggled to come up with three books because I wanted to talk about like seven but I thought I should probably, um, and I kept texting Shannon and saying like, oh my God, what about this one? Or what about this one? Or like, I don't know how I'm supposed to choose. And, but I decided that I had to talk about the book that sort of began my love of epistolary novels and that I read this book in the nineties. Um, and you know, I don't know how it holds up now. I, I haven't read it recently because I'm afraid of 
you know, I, I don't want anything about my feelings about this book to change. Um, it's very sentimental to me. And this, it's My Sweet Folly by Laura Kinsale. Oh. And, oh, <laughs> yes. Ooh, ooh, this book is about um, Folly Hamilton. And she lives in a village called Toot, Toot Above the Batch. And she, That's right. and I just think I it's so funny that, that I like to say Toot Above the Batch because <laughs> it's silly. And, <laughs> Folly is married um, and she um, somehow begins this correspondence with her husband's cousin. Um, her husband's cousin is over in India um, as part of the, I'm assuming like the East India Company and all the, you know, British people like being over there and like, yes, terrible efforts. And so for several years, they exchanged letters. And, you know, during that time, um, it went from being very like, oh, the weather here is great. And I came across a, 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 you know, very casual to deeper and deeper emotion. And the two of them began pouring out their feelings about life and love and friendship. And, you know, at one point things kind of got a little blurred and, you know, this, this beautiful relationship through letters went on for several years and now it's years later and Folly is a widow. She and her stepdaughter um, are living in Toot Above the Batch. And Robert Camborn has returned from India and has basically summoned them to his home in a very curt little missive that did not sound like him at all. And so, you know, Folly has this very bittersweet mix of emotion about seeing him for the first time after reading his beautiful letters and thinking that she knows this very sensitive and articulate man through his letters. And so she and her daughter, Melinda arrive at his home and it's a sort of like dark and foreboding place. And he's sort of a dark and silent and foreboding man who barely speaks and acts kind of strange and it's just, it's very painful for Folly um, to figure out like, how did her Robert turn into this cold, aloof, detached man? And the only way that he is able to properly communicate with her during her stay is via letters. And that's all I'm gonna say about this book, but I loved it so much. Um, I read it, you know, a long time ago. Um, in the 90s. Um, I read it again probably 10 years ago. And like I said, I'm afraid to read it again just in case it hasn't stood up to the test of time. But it just, for me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is how you can like show vulnerability to someone in a way that feels less scary. You can write it. So you're not looking into their face or talking directly to them. You're writing down your feelings, your fears, your, you know, your hopes, your dreams, and all of this and it's how two people, two very, very lonely people develop a gorgeous friendship that may or may not, by the end of the book, become something more. And this book, again, is My Sweet Folly by Laura Kinsale. Laura Kinsale is masterful. Oh, she writes these really, like, cuckoo bananas plots that all end up working somehow. Like, <laughs> yes, I yes. <laughs> I think this one and maybe For My Lady's Heart, is it the medieval one? Yes. I think so. Okay. Uh, these two, I think, are, are my favorite of the Kinsale books. 
My last book is Noel's Letters by Richard Paul Evans. Oh. And it's a collection. There's also a sequel, Noel's Diary. And um, it tells the story of Noel book. Her parents were kind of quirky. Um, Clearly. Yeah. That's a very Dad. fascinating name. <laughs> yes, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So she, in the first chapter, she explains that it is Boke in Scotland, but it was changed to book. And it sounds like a bookstore name, name of a bookstore. Noelle's book, Noelle book. <laughs> and I, she's I could have that for a name. It's yeah, a good me name. too. And, <laughs> and she's a book editor in New York until she gets some news that her dad is really sick and he is dying so she has to return to utah salt lake city and when she when she gets there and he has passed away and then she finds out her mother has also passed away oh but they left her a treasure trove of all these photographs of her as a kid and letters and um and then the main part of the book is the letters that they wrote to her um, while she was away because she didn't want to return home. She just ah. couldn't return home. She was in love with New York and she thought New York would take care of everything. And so then she gets back to Salt Lake City. And of course, she's wondering if she should stay and Things are happening that make her say, okay, I guess I'm supposed to stay because the, the person is moving back to, from the sublet that she has. So she has to go get her things. Um, someone else has gotten a promotion that she was supposed to have gotten because she's doing all Aww. the work. Yeah. So in the midst of all of this, she's grieving for her parents and reading these letters each night so that is letters noel's letters by richard paul evans and the sequel is called noel's diary that sounds like a lovely book it does i always yeah. think of richard paul evans as like these really the christmas sappy, like yes, yes. i'm just gonna say yes. like the sappy christmas books that i keep expecting like stacy to yes kind um, of sappy. <laughs> talk about on your like holiday episode all right friends it has come to the time for me to bring us down Mm-mm. way down. down oh yeah way down <laughs> so here we go we are oh, going dear. to talk about Push by Sapphire. Oh my this, goodness. Uh-huh. This book was actually written in the late 90s, but was not like, bought, sort of brought to the forefront of like the cultural consciousness until mm-hmm. about what, like 2010, 2009, mm-hmm. when they made a movie based on this book. And the movie is called Precious. Um, The book is Push, and it is sort of my first, like, introduction to this whole idea um, came from reading the book. And then I, Mm -hmm. of course, saw the movie. So this is the story of Precious Jones, and she is 16. 
she lived in Harlem with her mother in the late 1980s. And Hmm. Precious does not, does not, does not have a great life. Um, She is 16. She is pregnant with her second child. And the father of these children is also the father of Precious. And so this is Mm. like in no way like a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Her mother is also super abusive to her. Um, Precious is illiterate. She's really just struggling to find her way in the world. Um, Her daughter, who was born when Precious was only 12, has some sort of developmental disability um, unfortunately, I think it's Downs. Is it Downs? Yeah, it's Downs. I couldn't syndrome. remember if it was Down syndrome or um, something that was not named. And they, Precious has decided that the perfect name for this child is Little Mongo um, mm-hmm. because she believes this child is a mongoloid. And so therefore this must be a good name. Um, I, I tend to think it's kind of a terrible name, but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, when we first meet Precious, she is kicked out of school for being pregnant and really resents this. Um, she doesn't do well in school, but she does enjoy kind of being out of, out of her mother's house for the day. And there is a deep desire within Precious to learn, even though for so long learning hasn't been something that has come easily to her. She ends up getting involved with an alternative school and she meets a teacher who is just really, really dedicated to changing the lives of disadvantaged teens. And through her sort of education um, with this teacher, we see her make some really big strides in, you know, in in her life. Um, This is written as sort of, um, like an assignment in a, in a composition book. And I read it as an audio. I've not tried to read it as an ebook. I hear that it's um, written the way that Precious would have written it. So there's a lot of like misspellings that change as her fluency with the English language gets better. And as she kind of understands more about how to write her story, um, these things change. But I think if you're listening to it as an ebook, like with synthesized speech, I think that would be would be a challenge. Um, yeah, so I did it as an audio book. Was. <laughs> was it okay? It's a quick audio book. It's about five hours um, in audio. It mm-hmm. broke my heart, I think, several times just over the course of of reading it. And it, like Codename Verity, is book that I have never forgotten. It's a book I don't know that I could read again yeah. um, because it I is really too. difficult, but it's, it's I think, a, a very valuable story just about overcoming adversity and really mm-hmm. understanding the power of, of words and education. So this is Push by Sapphire, and you can read it, you can watch the movie, which is precious, or you can do both. So the last, I saved this last novel I'm going to talk about because it is one of the creepiest, most fascinatingly amazing books I've ever read. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Karen, oh my gosh, that Shannon would agree. I would, this yes. Is, we, need to talk about, we need to talk about Kevin by Lionel Schreiber. And this book is about Eva. 
who never really wanted to be a mother. But not only did she not want to be a mother, now she's the mother of the unlovable boy who murdered seven high school students, cafeteria workers, and a much-adored teacher who tried to befriend him two days before his 16th birthday. So when we begin this novel, it's been two years uh, since this terrible incident happened. Now, we don't really know how, what, when, anything. But what's interesting about this is that this book is told from the point of view of Kevin's parents sending letters to each other. Of course, uh, they're still married, but ever since this event happened, they're very, they're estranged from each other. I mean, this kind of thing puts a chasm in a family, I assume. And yeah, I would think so. Yeah, so they begin corresponding, and we learn more and more about Kevin's rampage. And Eva has a secret. Um, she was alarmed by the concept of motherhood and everything it was uh, because of the sacrifice that it takes and the social emotions that that it requires or that people feel like it requires and she feels that maybe the fact that secretly somewhere inside she disliked her son and maybe she feels like that's responsible for driving him off the rails and causing him to do what he did is she responsible well i guess that's to be determined but you must read we need to talk about kevin by lionel schreiber this is another one of those books where you really don't like anyone um, at all. And as right, and as I was reading it, I was like, "These, these are kind of terrible people," and yes. yet it's a book that you can't really look away from. Right, it's kind of like, like a train wreck. It it is very much like that, but it's a train wreck that you actually enjoy, even though you can't say, "Hey, I actually, you know, I'm cheering for this character." No, no, I'm cheering cheering for that character. You never cheer for anybody at all. No. All right. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to Melissa, Natalia, and Stacy for putting together such a nice variety of epistolary novels. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of her editing, especially this month when I've felt like We've been recording episodes in fits and starts. And thank you so much to each and every one of you who join us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm